Welcome to the Living Leadership Podcast. Equipping leaders to live in Christ joyfully and serve Him faithfully. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Living Leadership Podcast. On this week's episode, we're doing something a little bit different, something we've not done for a while. I'm delighted to introduce you to our latest new recruit here at Living Leadership, Phil Sweeting. Phil is one of our new recruits here doing a new role, Ministry Development Lead, and his area that he's leading in is the Midlands, but I'm sure we'll find out more about that as we talk to Phil. So welcome to the podcast, Phil. Would you first like to introduce yourself to the listeners, your name, location, family, whatever you feel uh, would be good for us to know? Thanks, Jess. Great to be with you. Yeah, well, my name's Phil, and uh, I was thinking the proper answer, I'm a child of God, you know, adopted in Christ, uh, which is my real identity, isn't it? But I'm also a father and a husband and uh, currently serving God as a pastor in South Birmingham area. So uh, the most interesting of those, I'm married to Katie, the lovely Katie, uh, 18 years this summer, which Google tells me is our porcelain anniversary. And she's asked me to fix all the toilets uh, <laughs> as romance is dead. Um, and we've got three kids, great kids there are currently oh, uh, 13, 11 and six, which are their ages, not odd names for them. So, And I'm, I'm serving as a pastor at uh, Monihull Church, which is in yeah, South Birmingham. Brilliant. Thanks. Um, one of the things we like to do when we interview people on the podcast is uh, get a bit of their story. Obviously, we can assume that having started working for Living Leadership and being a pastor of a church that you know and love Jesus. But it'd be really great to just understand kind of how did that come about? How did you come to faith for yourself? Thank you. Yes. Well, um, I. it's funny, isn't it, when you try and tell your story, because as, the more you look back, the more you can see God's hand in the details, can't you? But uh, I was brought up in a family that had some history of, of God-fearing. Both my parents were involved in Christian things in their youth, but certainly by the time I came along, that seemed very much to be in the past. They sent me and my brothers to Sunday school until we were old enough to uh, choose for ourselves, but we didn't... Um, uh, you know, we didn't talk about God or pray or read the Bible or any of those sorts of things that I would now normally associate with faith. So I, I would say I was brought up in a moral but um, but non-Christian home. And that was kind of the way it was until, I suppose, until I went to university. There were other things on the way, but the, the key moment uh, probably for me was at university. I went to study law, which is concerned with right and wrong, believe it or not. And uh, I realized, you know, as a sort of a, a, a young, ma young man, a, a late teenager, that I had quite strong views on right and wrong. But the more I probed them, the more I realized they were really just my parents' views on right and wrong. And I asked the question that all teenagers ask, which is, well, how do I know my parents are right? So I guess I, I rocked up at university with some deep questions about how you know what's right and true. And in the Lord's kindness, some of the first people I met were Christians. I found myself really drawn to them as people. They, uh, there was something very attractive about them. And I guess, again, in my youthful arrogance, I thought I would be able to dissuade them of their misguided ways um, with my superior rationality. But actually, uh, to my surprise, in a sense, the opposite happened. So over really about 18 months, I suppose, of debating and exploring, reading things, uh, I went on a course that a local church ran, uh, started attending a church. 
through the patient prayers of, of these friends, I guess, uh, I came to a point where I realized that actually what the Bible, how the, the Bible describes the world corresponded very much to what I saw around me. But the big kind of sticking point for me was was this thing called sin. I didn't really understand what sin was. They kept on telling me, these Christians, that I had a problem I needed to fix and that I was, I was in trouble. But as a nice sort of middle-class boy, I guess I... You know, I felt like I'd never done too much wrong. Um, plenty of things I wouldn't want you to know about, but you know, I never murdered anyone or done anything like that. And I was really struggling with this idea of my need for forgiveness. But uh, just before Christmas in my second year, I guess you know, from one perspective, the penny dropped from another. God opened my eyes and my heart to to see that really, if there is a God, if He is who He says He is, if He's made everything um, uh, and is is perfectly just and right and good and true then he, he deserves our worship and our love and our uh, respect. And he'd had none of those things from me. And so I was in trouble. But uh, he'd sent his son to uh, to die in my place to take the punishment I deserved and so that I could receive his, his perfect relationship, his perfect righteousness and be adopted into God's family. And so just around, the, well, it's just around Christmas in my second year. I was trying to think, this is 1996 now. Um, I, I prayed a little prayer saying sorry to God and asking for his forgiveness. And I was really excited because I thought the next day I'd wake up feeling completely different, and I didn't really. I felt much the same, but actually the the the, the point where I noticed the, the difference first was on Sunday when I went to church. And uh, during the sermon, uh, instead of the talk just being a sort of an you know interesting thing that tickled my brain i i really felt like god was speaking to me in, in a new way i felt like, you know i understood that this was his word and uh, that was the beginning of the journey really it's uh quite a few years ago now but uh god has been faithful uh keeping me through all sorts of ups and downs and twists and turns yeah yeah it's always so encouraging hearing people's stories and uh just what you're saying about that kind of first sunday i was in a meeting earlier today and we were talking about that regenerate heart of having the Holy Spirit. And actually, you know, one day the Bible is dry maybe to you and then the Holy Spirit opens your eyes and then the next day you're like, this is nothing like the book I read yesterday. And yeah, it's the book I read yesterday. Uh, yeah. And the same with church and stuff. The book's not changed, right? <laughs> yeah, the book's not changed, but something in you has changed. And yeah, church probably hadn't changed, but something in you had changed. And I always think that's it's just so encouraging. It's one of those small ways we see the significant change that's happened in us. Yeah, so, so encouraging. Um, obviously, you said in your introduction, and I obviously know kind of now you're working for Living Leadership, but you also are a church leader. And it'd be just really great to, I guess, understand how your journey into leadership came about, sort of what your experiences have been in church, Christian organization, just leadership roles that the Lord has given you. Um, and I did tell you this question was coming, but part of that, one of the ways I, I love to frame it, because I think this can be really helpful, is in those things, in telling us kind of how how you've got those roles and what those roles have looked like for you. Is there anything you sort of wished, uh, um, looking back, that you'd known about God as you were kind of progressing through through the story he's been writing for you, um, your roles of leadership? Thank you. Yeah, that's that's a great question. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a preacher, so I had sort of I'd thought about this question. I thought about three sort of lessons I wanted to mention, but just briefly in terms of the journey after my law degree, uh, the obvious next step for me was working in IT. So I worked in IT for four years or so, doing kind of internet-based stuff, which in those days was all new and exciting. 
And during this time, the, the local church where I was a member were giving me some opportunities to serve. And they and I had a sense that perhaps God would be calling me into, was calling me into some kind of ministry. So back in uh, 2002, I decided to take a year out to test that calling. And I'm still on that year out, so it's been a, it's been a long year. But uh, so I went down to apprentice for a church down in in Sussex, and after a year with them, they said, you know, Phil, I think I think maybe God is calling you into this. Would you stay with us another couple of years and do some? We'll pay for some training for you, which they generously did. I met and married Katie. Um, took a bit longer than that sentence, but uh, <laughs> uh, and and when when we married at the end of that that period, we we felt like. We could, you know, we could move house, get married, change jobs, and do everything all at once, or we could actually just try and keep as many things the same as possible. So we, uh, I asked the, ch- the church if they would employ me for a further year, so we could just all stay put and get used to being married. And then after the, a year there, again, the church very generously supported us through Bible College, uh, particularly generous because it was an Anglican church, and we were going towards uh, free church ministry as a as a sort of Baptist by conviction. Great example of, of gospel heartedness, really. So I went to Bible college for three years and then uh, ministered at a church in Farnham in Surrey, a Baptist church there. We were there about nine years all told from which, and, and during that time we planted a new church, a new congregation, which by God's grace has just gone independent. And about five years ago, we we, we moved up to Birmingham. We felt that, um, that the Lord was moving us on and yeah, been serving here those five years. But in terms of those um, kind of things we've learned along the way, I mean, I was thinking about this question and I suddenly realized that last year, a sort of at the 20 year in ministry point, I wrote a blog post on this. So I thought I'd reread that and see what I said. And I've just kind of picked out a couple of things from that really. But the first is really simple and really practical. And actually I learned it in that very first church, um, which was that it's impossible to over communicate 95% that's a completely made up statistic, but it's, it's true of all problems in church life are due to poor or non-existent communication. And the, the, the paradox of that is that the, the, the increasing number of ways we have now to communicate make that harder, not easier. So I learned that in a, in a sort of a, a kind of a conflict situation in that first role in church and everything I've seen since has confirmed that really, you know, if, if, if ministry is about relationship, then communication is is absolutely key. So that would be the that's a very kind of practical and very obvious lesson. The next one is um, is a little bit more personal in the sense that I think it probably tells you more about me than 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 anything else, perhaps. But I, I summarised it like this: that knowing the right answers isn't the same as having the right heart, and having the right heart is more important. And I say that because by you know particular tribe of evangelicalism that I've kind of grown up in and by temperament. Uh, I'm someone for whom truth is important. We believe truth is important. We believe place a high value on God's word. We want God's glory and uh, we're keen to get it right, aren't we? But it, again, my experience is that in the reality of that, in the sort of the, the practicality of that, that can sort of that that those good things, uh, that zeal for truth, that, that that desire for God's glory can actually morph into something which is overbearing, 
uh, which can lack compassion, uh, which can border on a sort of a pride or an arrogance. And it seems to me that, you know, if the gospel is true, and I think it is, <laughs> then that must be completely inappropriate. Uh, that the, the gospel is 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 the sort of the, the leveler, isn't it? It's 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 the pride breaker. Uh, it, you know, God opposes the proud and lifts up the humble. God is the one who you know provides for all that we need, and it's not about us at all. So I just yeah, as I say, that may may tell you more about my heart than than anyone else's. But actually, I just think that's a danger for those of us that love the truth that it can morph into something else, and our heart uh, is is the most important thing. And I guess related to that, just a phrase that was drummed into me at college, actually, that I, I, I'm, I hope I'm quoting it right, but someone said, we are saved by our inconsistencies, which is to say we, you know, we delight in the truth and we, we think we've got it all worked out, but the odds are we've got quite a lot of it wrong. <laughs> and, and, and God still saves us. He still loves us uh, because we're saved by his grace and what Jesus has done, not by how accurately we've we've got his words. Uh, sometimes I say we're saved in spite of our inconsistencies. So, um, so I think that's really important. Knowing the right answer isn't the same as having the right heart, and having the right heart is more important. And the reason uh, that all that is true, and this is the sort of the third and the much more general, and again, blindingly obvious, but you know, call me state the obvious sweeting, um, that actually. It's all about Jesus, isn't it? Uh, the thing that has changed most in the last 20 odd years in my life is an increasing sense of my dependence on Jesus. You know, when you come to faith, you realize that you, you, you need Jesus and, and you realize what he's done for you, which is wonderful. But as you go on in the Christian life, you realize uh, all the millions of ways you find, you know, sin finds of expressing itself in your heart and in your life. And, and, and you see your need of forgiveness more and your need of Jesus more and, and your utter dependence on Jesus in all things and and so I, I guess I guess that's that's the thing I wish I'd cottoned on to earlier that, you know it's it's all about him <laughs> you know it's um I said to someone the other day you know it, it's all about Jesus and everything else is just footnotes um and, and I think I think that's right isn't it our dependence on Jesus is at the heart of everything that we do um and that's brilliant and liberating and um yeah, encouraging and joy fueling and all those other things. Totally get that. I remember, and I wish I remembered who said it. I might have read it. I might have heard it. But really early in my faith, someone said, you never graduate from the gospel. And I think that's that's been really precious and really true, actually, regardless of how long you've been a Christian or what degree of responsibility you have for things, never graduating from the gospel. Uh, yeah, it sounds yeah. Just another way to say your third point there. <laughs> but it's like it's like it's not about knowing more about Jesus. It's about knowing him more, isn't it? As well, I think that's the other thing. Just that sense of, uh, you know, I don't want more from Jesus. I want more of Jesus. That's the that's yeah. the heart of it, isn't it? Um, yeah. So you've recently taken on a new role at Living Leadership. In fact, it's a, a new role for us entirely. Um, of which you are the first of hopefully three people coming on board this year to do these sorts of roles. Just a reminder, your title is <laughs> Ministry Development Lead Midlands. Great. Can you let us know maybe, I guess, what attracted you to working with for living leadership 
and what your hopes are for this role? And maybe in that, just sort of explain your role as you see it for our listeners. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I guess there's two sides to what attracted me to the role. One is about me and one is about the, the organization. So for for me, for, for us, big birthdays have had very little impact on me. But when I turned 40, I had a real uh, moment of sort of heart searching. What, what am I doing with my life? What have I achieved? All those sorts of things. And around the same time, just 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 before, just about, uh, the church I was serving at the time kindly gave me a sabbatical. Um, and I guess I spent a fair bit of that time just reflecting on my shape and my gifts and, uh, you know, what the Lord might be calling me to. And it, it became really obvious to, to me and to, to Katie, my wife, that we've got a real heart for caring for pastors. We just looked back and could see different ways in which that had expressed itself. And we've we've really, since then, it's five or six years ago now, had a, a growing sense of a vision really for a, a, some future ministry, which which is about caring for pastors. We, we would love to offer a, a space where pastors could come, or not just pastors, those in ministry could come and have no burdens placed on them, can be fed and rested. If they want to talk to someone and pray with someone, they can. If they just want to enjoy beautiful surroundings, they can. And a bit like you know, the, the pastoral refreshment conference, but all year round, any time, just for folk to be able to access when they need it. Um, because we know from our own experience that the, the, the stresses and demands of ministry and and the need sometimes just to be away from it, just get some distance and space and time with Jesus. So so I guess we've, we, Katie and I felt this and, and continue to feel this this sense of, of that call for us on our life. Um, don't really know what that's going to look like or when that's going to happen, but feel that 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 is that is where longer term we may well be heading. And we we'd shared this with a number of folks to to sort of get folk praying with us and for us, including Marcus and others as part of Living Leadership, which was an organisation we knew from many years attending the Pastoral Refreshment Conference, which has been such a blessing to us over the years. So. Yeah, when when some funds were available for living leadership to uh, to, to 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 sort of start this role up, um, I was very surprised and delighted when they approached me to say, "This really sounds like the sort of thing you've got a heart for. Would you be interested?" And we very much saw that as a a real answer to prayer. Um, it was an opportunity, firstly, for us to test our gifts. Uh, it's all very well saying you feel like God's calling you to something, but what if you're rubbish at it? <laughs> you might have misheard. So. Um, in one sense, this role gives me a chance to, you know, stretch my wings and see whether, I, you know, I can actually do this. But it does so in a, a sort of a very supportive and safe way and in a way where we don't need to kind of uproot our family. Oh. We don't need to leave a church where we feel there's still work for us to do and, um, you know, that we love and, and so on. And I think there's real benefit in the role of supporting pastors to still be at the coalface as well so it just felt to us like a really good meshing together of 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 those things and as i say we we were familiar with the organization from the conferences which have been a blessing to us and uh yeah so that that was kind of that was kind of how it came about and your hopes for the role yeah what's the role involved my hopes for the role? i guess my hope my if i tried to really summarize my hope for the role it would be that as a result of what I'm doing, more folk in ministry 
would find support and uh, encouragement in in their, their walk with Jesus. So what's that going to look like specifically? What's well, going to look like raising awareness of living leadership as an organization, helping increase the number of channels for people to access as it were our services. Services sounds a bit, um, I don't know what, but anyway, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just, I, I think my, my role is a, a, a drum beating one to try and help make living leadership known a, a relationship and network building one to try and get, uh, yeah, extend the reach, um, uh, beyond our existing, our existing circles. And, and then one quite specific part of that is organizing some local refreshment days. So for those that aren't aware, the, the pastoral refreshment conference is an annual conference that's three days, uh, well, two days over three, which is brilliant. Um, uh, I can't recommend it highly enough, but it comes at a cost of time and money. Um, it's in only a couple of locations. And one of the things that as an organization we're keen to do is set up local conferences so that the the barrier to entry to that sort of uh, refreshment is much lower. Um, you can get to one that's near you uh, with little or no cost um, and, and only taking a day rather than, than several days. So so organizing some of those in the Midlands is the main thing and then obviously trying to support pastors as I'm able to. And I guess just while we're on the subject for listeners' benefit, there are refreshment days all over the country booking right now for in sort of May and June and then we'll have a raft more in the sort of October, November time as well. So if you are listening and that sounds like something you feel you could benefit from, then do check out our website and we'll put some links for that in the show notes as well. Oh, we got show notes. That's so exciting. <laughs> yes, well, well, I try. They're very brief. <laughs> I guess as living leadership as a whole, we often talk about supporting leaders to live in Christ joyfully and serve him faithfully. It's kind of the way we summarize why we're here and what our desire is. But, but we know that that can be really hard to do sometimes for all sorts of reasons, internal and external. And so one of the things I like to do when we interview members of staff is to just ask what are some of the practical things that help you personally pursue joy in Christ and faithfulness in service in your life right now or maybe things you've learnt, kind of lessons over the years? Yeah, thank you, Jess. It's a great question. I guess lots of different parts to that, but you know, right at the heart of it is some some sort of regular devotional life, isn't it? It's not sort of rocket science. Actually, if we want to grow in our love for Jesus, we need to spend time with Him. I guess one of the things I've learned in that on that over the years is it looks different at different stages of life and for different people, different characters and temperaments, uh, and that's okay. We don't need to all do it exactly the same way. I often say to to folk, you know, every time we had a baby. Uh, my devotional life was kind of thrown out the window for three or four months as you try and just adjust to this new this new thing, this new uh, way of life. So just but finding a regular rhythm that works for you is good, and I'm I'm thankful. Just in the minute, I feel like I'm in a good one, so that's that's good. Recognizing that again, that doesn't always look like sitting down with a Bible for a certain number of you know a certain amount of time. It might look like going for a walk and having a pray. Or I found that. Uh, running, which is something I dislike intensely, but try and do once a week. I no longer listen to stuff. I just uh, I just run and, and have that as, as quiet time to spend with God and to pray and, you know, not, not to be, you know, not to be uh, doing anything else, particularly not trying to 
take stuff in necessarily, just use that as time. Anything you can do that just keeps soaking you in the gospel, this is, goes back to what we were saying before about it being all about Jesus. But So one specific thing I found, uh, I just love the prayers of a guy called Scotty Smith. He's an American pastor, um, and he, he, he uh, I, I sort of step back from that. I use PrayerMate, which is an excellent app. That will be in the show notes too. Now I know we've got them. But um, PrayerMate has just been such a help for me in my prayer life just to get me organized. And one of the things you can do with PrayerMate is take feeds from different uh, people and organizations. And I've been on Scotty Smith's feed for several years, and I suspect that that's done far more good to me than I've realized just because he's so relentlessly gospel-focused in his prayers. And so just every day to be um, kind of just in your face with the gospel, uh, it's just been a great blessing. In fact, at one point, the folk at church had to sort of take me to side and say, because I was just, I was so loving his prayers. I was just using them all the time in services. It's like, you, you know, sometimes you maybe you should use your own prayers or other people's prayers, not just <laughs> Scotty Smith's all the time. So thank you, Scotty. You're a legend. But uh, so that's been really helpful for me, I'm sure. Uh, another thing, again, which I think we're just beginning to catch on to in this country is this idea of having mentors or um, coaches or uh, whatever else you want to call them. Different people use different language, don't they? But um, just to have someone that's a little bit further on than you um, in ministry and outside of your situation, whom you can just be really honest with, uh, they can pray for you, uh, they can share of their wisdom. Uh, I've found that really helpful myself. Um, I'm, I, I've recently done some training in, in gospel coaching and, and I found that both helpful personally in terms of understanding myself better, but I trust also I've been of some help to others as I've see, sought to use some of those skills with them. So I, I just think that's really invaluable. And it's one of the reasons why I think the Associates Network that Living Leadership Run is such a good thing. Uh, just a, there's, a, there's a bunch of people there that are very wise and, and some not so wise, like me. Uh, <laughs> but there's lots of very wise people um, who, who just would love to support you in your, you know, your journey and your, your challenges. So, uh, yeah, they, they would be my, my sort of top tips, I think. Brilliant. Hopefully there's some helpful things there for listeners talking of helpful things this is our last proper question i guess that we do in interviews and i've been told that this is a very big and lofty question that uh, i picked <laughs> to always be what we end on for these interviews but first of all just thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast today i'm sure that already you've said lots of encouraging things that people can take away but Particularly, I guess, with Philippians 4, 8 is the verse I always come to for such things, which says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. And so I guess to ask you the very big lofty question I always ask, is there anything, uh, I guess, a verse or a thought that you want to leave with our listeners today, this week, along those lines, that you think could encourage them in in their life and ministry? Mm, yeah, it is a great question, and it is a lofty question. And next time I'm with you in person, I'll show you a really torturous set of actions which I use to try and learn Philippians, uh, verse <laughs> Philippians 4. But it wouldn't work on a podcast. Uh, so, yeah, I was thinking about this, and... The, the verses that I keep coming back to to try and encourage others in ministry are from Paul's prayer in Colossians 1. There's a particular verse, but I'm going to take a run at it if that's not too self-indulgent. 
go for it. So he, he prays uh, from verse one, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. Just That's just brilliant in itself, isn't it? That someone is praying for you all the time. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So there's a brilliant prayer for anyone just to grow in, in knowledge and the wisdom that comes from the Spirit. Um, but the reason is, verse 10, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. There's a great truth for pastors or those in ministry. It's not about how many of these sessions you run. It's not about how many whatever else is. It's about living a life worthy of the Lord and pleasing him, uh, bearing fruits in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, growing, getting to know God better. But we're still not at the best bit. That's the next bit. The next bit says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. And you think, wow, all power, glorious might. What's what's this going to be used for? So that you may have great endurance and patience. And I just think that's brilliant. Uh, as someone in ministry, what do we need? It's hard work. It's a slog sometimes. Uh, the, the, the fruit is sometimes hard to see. What we need is great endurance and patience. So this is a prayer I pray for others often, that, that they may be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that they might have great endurance and patience. And it goes on, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people. It's about knowing who you are in Jesus and looking to him to help you press on in that sort of patient endurance uh, until we see him face to face. So uh, I think I've abused your one verse question, but <laughs> no, no. Those, those are the verses I go to all the time. I think they're brilliant. No, that, that's brilliant. That is uh, such an encouragement. And actually, um, I might uh, just pray for us now as we finish this interview, pray for our listeners as any encouragements that, that we've been able to offer today. Hopefully the Lord would sink deep in their hearts. So I'm just going to pray for them and for us now. Father God, we thank you so much that you are near, that you know us, that even though Phil and I are here on a call having a conversation and we don't know the listeners the other side of this podcast you know them they are known to you it is not an accident that they are listening to this conversation lord we do pray that any encouragements um that they have heard you might sink deep in their hearts lord we do pray that they might have endurance and patience and lord that you may deepen their faith and their their knowledge of you that you may be present to them and present to me and phil also as we seek to love and serve you through our roles and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much uh, for joining us, for being interviewed. I guess one very final thing, um, it's not on my list, but I don't know if there's, if you want to offer any ways for people to connect with you, if anything you've said, or if they particularly want more information about anything you're doing, are there any particular ways that people can connect with you that you would uh, say are the best ways to contact you? Yeah, thanks, Jess. Um, well, thank you for inviting me. It's lovely to chat and, uh, and and be on the on the podcast. Yeah, you can always contact me through the Living Leadership website. Although, in theory, my my remit is regional. I'm focused particularly on the Midlands. The wonders of technology means actually we can talk to folk all over the place. So, if if that would be something you'd like to do, please just reach out through the website. That would be great. I look forward to hearing from you. I'll pop it in the show notes, but it's www.livingleadership.org. 
and you can um, go onto the Our People page and you can get the link from there or indeed just go to the contact us page and I will make sure it gets to Phil. Brilliant. Well, um, yeah, thank you so much. Um, I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Living Leadership Podcast. We hope what you've heard today spurs you on in your walk with the Lord. If you're encouraged by today's episode, consider sharing it with a friend or colleague or leaving us a review on your podcast app of choice to help others find us. If you'd like to engage further with us on anything we've discussed today, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on any major social media application at Living Leaders, or you can visit our website, www.livingleadership.org, where you'll find even more support and resources to help you live in Christ joyfully and serve him faithfully. Blessings. Blessings.